0: This is the Scott Thompson Show podcast. This is pretty exciting. Uh, Paul Schaefer, former music director, musical director for The Late Show with David Letterman, taken to the stage with the world's most dangerous band for a musical night. April 20th, Niagara Falls View Casino. All right, and joining us now, very excited to uh, bring to you Paul Schaefer. Hello, Paul. How are you today? Thank
1: you very much. What a lovely introduction. (laughs) It's great to be here. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, I, but at my age, but at my age, it's great to be. Anyway, thank you very much.
0: <laughs> I am such a huge fan. I was such a huge fan of you and David. Uh, it's great to talk uh, talk with you. Tell us about this show. What are you guys and girls doing?
1: Well, firstly, uh, we have a wonderful guest star with us, Valerie Simpson uh, of the who, with her late husband uh, Nick Ashford, wrote yeah. every song, every Motown song that I love. Reach out and touch. Ain't no mountain high enough. Ain't nothing like the real thing. Uh, I could go on and on and on, and she is my special guest. She sings a song on the record that I made, the CD. Excuse me, I'm showing my age again. The, the downloadable CD called Paul Shaffer and the World's Most Dangerous Band. And Valerie uh, is one of the guests on it. She sings I Don't Need No Doctor, the old Ray Charles hit that mm. she wrote. Anyway, she's been with me on this tour as my special guest, and she's just a knockout. And I have, uh, you know, uh, the world's most dangerous band, the band that was with me uh, in the trenches on uh, Letterman all those years. Uh, we we got together. We made the CD. We had such a good time. We said, let's take it on the road. But we have been having a wonderful time. And we do songs from the record. And we do songs by our favorite, you know, that, that influenced us. Yeah. And I tell stories, uh, personal stories about uh, various behind-the-scenes things and things about my favorite uh, rock artists and stuff, and uh, all in all, it just it makes a nice sandwich. Uh,
0: when did you decide that you guys wanted to do this again? How long after you left the show? Did you sit there and kind of rest for a bit, regroup, refocus, or did you guys want to do this right away?
1: No, absolutely. It, it took a little while. I didn't know what I was supposed to do after the show ended. Maybe slow down and... Uh, You know, uh, travel, you know what you're supposed to do. I've been working so hard, you know, let me smell the roses. I got so depressed and bored right away, you know, and I, oh my goodness, this will never do. i got to keep playing the piano. And right around that time, well, I guess it was, uh, you know, six months went by, maybe maybe even a a year. And I got a call from a a legend, a record business legend called Seymour Stein, Hmm. who was uh, the executive who founded Sire Records back in the late 70s, and had Madonna, Talking Heads, Ramones, uh, Katie Lang, you know, so many greats uh, on his label. And he and I have uh, became friends over the years of uh, working on the Rockwell Hall of Fame induction dinners together. And he said, how would you like to get back into the uh, music business? And he offered me this opportunity to make the CD, and I was I was just thrilled. And as soon as I got into the studio... Well, firstly, you know, I thought the only way to do it is get the band back together. Mm-hmm. This is a, became a real band, a real working unit overall. all you those know, 22 years at, yeah. at NBC and some of the guys were with me. I mean, at CBS, some of the guys were with me going back to the NBC days in the 80s. Mm-hmm. So uh, we decided to do that. We came back together. We we clicked immediately. You know, we, we reclaimed uh, the old simpatico that we had and uh, we had a lot of fun. And I cheer it up. I'm not sad anymore. I'm having a time of my
0: life. <laughs> you have played with everyone. You're 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 asked to play on people's albums. You, you you're there's no shortage of projects. I'm guess I'm guessing for Paul Schaefer to be involved in. How do you decide? Si- how do you decide what to do? And and how do you still get that same buzz about going in and playing on someone else's stuff?
1: I don't know. You know uh, the the. Um Being in the recording studio and playing as a sideman, that is just, I think, my favorite of all the things. Uh, I I don't want to produce. I can't make a decision to save my life. (laughs) You know, I don't want to keep analyzing and reanalyzing the music. But I love to go in there and play the piano. And that's my responsibility. And play as well as I can, play it back and figure out what I did wrong, go for another take, you know. I, I just love to do it. And uh, I don't know the other question. Well, how do I decide? I, you know, give me a call and, <laughs> and see. You know, see if, if I can fit you into my book. I'm there.
0: Well, uh, do you talk to David Letterman much? I understand his mother just passed away very recently. Do you yes, chat with him much?
1: Yes. He, I, I talk to him all the time. As a matter of fact, um, his mother, and he's doing very well in the, in the uh, aftermath of his mother's uh, uh, death. She was 95. Hmm after all, and, and had a wonderful run, and, you know, we all had a lot of fun with her when she used to be on the show, and when she would report, when she reported from Lily Hammer the Olympics and all that stuff, we have a lot of good memories about her, and, you know, her her life was good, and of course she got to see her son,
2: mm.
1: and all his success, so well, what more does a mother want? Mm. Um, David and I, yes, it was a v- very sweetly, I must say, it, it, it was important to him to keep our friendship going. And so we we see each other quite regularly and talk all the
2: time. Uh,
0: what was your day like when when Late Night was on? What was it like? What was your responsibility from beginning to end of show?
1: Well, in the morning, uh, I didn't have to, to go in. There would be a morning meeting at which time they would... Uh, to tell everybody what the, what their plans were for the show. By they, I mean the producers. Um, and um, I had uh, someone working uh, with me on the show named Daniel who would go to the meeting uh, for me and then uh, give me a call and report on what was going to be on the show. But I knew better than to take anything that he said seriously because I knew that by the <laughs> showtime, everything would change anyway. So, you know, I would just... The main thing was stay loose and swing with whatever happened. By the time I would get in, you know, sort of after lunch, everything was already different. Hmm. And I would just, uh, you know, well, at least I could see, the guests would usually be consistent. I would see who was going to be on, uh, figure out, uh, you know, that somebody else is playing my song. Anyway, Hmm. uh, figure out, uh, you know, what to play for them. If I didn't, uh, if I had no ideas, you know, then at the band rehearsal, which we would have about, oh fifteen 15 minutes uh, before the show to rehearse our little cues that we were going to need, you know. Well, I would throw it open to the, to the floor. Anybody in the band know what we should play for somebody? And, you know, people would throw out ideas. I'd pick my favorite one. We'd learn a few bars of this, a few bars of that. And um, I would see Dave briefly in the makeup room, uh, you know, just before the show. And it would always amaze me that he would be writing and changing Right in there, like, that's that's the place where he would do his creative work, five minutes before the show while mm. they're putting makeup on. No, I don't like that. Let's change that. Let's do this, this, and Paul, if you could play something like that. Okay, let's go. And we would go out uh, amazingly under-rehearsed. And um, <laughs> that was, I think, part of the, I, I mean, a lot of the fun of the show was it was different every night, and it was uh, so spontaneous that uh, even I couldn't believe it sometimes
0: uh oftentimes when there were musical acts on the show members of the band yourself included would combine with them how would that how would you arrive at that how would that happen
1: um well in in the earlier days uh when we were at nbc we had a very small studio uh, we wouldn't really have a, enough room uh, you know to to feature a whole band coming in with their act and their lights and their Sound and dancers, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, you know, so we would encourage them, you know, to play with with the house band. In that way, uh, you would see something on our show you didn't see anywhere else. You know, these, these people kind of a little bit out of their element. Yeah. Uh, as time went on, though, know, and when we switched to CBS, we had a bigger stage. You know, we could accommodate everything. And then it kind of came down to you know if any if a band came in and said, could so and so from your, your band play with us, or you know. Sometimes they would invite me to play a lot if there was a second keyboard part or something like that. So it, it, it was up to the to the artists themselves.
0: How did you get the gig with Dave?
1: Um, he I just heard from his uh, office one day they called me. I had done the first five years of uh, Saturday Night Live. And then uh, after that, I was just doing studio work for about two years. And I got this call uh, from Dave's manager, his uh He's getting a, a new late-night show that's going to come on after Johnny Carson. Could you come in and talk to him about it? So I did. I hadn't met him, but I was familiar with him, of course. And we hit it off, and uh, And he hired me. and It was about as simple as that. And now he, he claims that he never had anybody else in, in mind for the show, and I believe him. He told me that he had seen some of the things I had done on Saturday Night Live. Most notably, he mentioned uh, when I used to work with Bill Murray mm. on the, his lounge singer stuff, you know, and I would always <laughs> be seen in those scenes, we play the piano, and Dave knew I helped put him together with a, with a number of other writers, and, uh, you know, he, he he became aware of me that way, and uh, as I say, we hit it off, and, uh, you know, 33 years later, we finished up the show.
0: We hear so much about Saturday Night Live and how, how that's such a pressure cooker. What was your time like there?
1: Well, very very exciting. Um, certainly a very competitive atmosphere. Is it as competitive as the they past. say? Is it is it, is it as competitive so as they much say? Summer time, you know. Yeah, yeah. Everybody wanted to get on. Um, I I managed to get on actually. By the fifth season, I I became what they called a featured player, and I used yeah. to get to be in some sketches too. Uh, wonderful, w- wonderfully exciting for me. And of course, they were just making the stuff up then, figuring out how to do the show. So it was uh, really a privilege to be around and and see that thing come together and know that all these 43 years later, or however many, you know, they're still going strong.
0: Talk about your time in the Blues Brothers Band and how all that came to fruition for you.
1: Well, um, you know, I was in the house band there, Saturday Night Live, and uh, working with the performers, and um, uh, John Belushi, Dan Ackroyd, used to put on shades and hats and and sing a few blues tunes to warm up the audience uh, before before the uh, you know before eleven thirty before before we went live, and uh, then they did it on the show. Uh, I think the first time they did it was a, uh, there was a running thing at that time. Uh, B- Killer bees, and they right. you know the cast would put on yeah. these big bee costumes, yeah. and I think they put on bee costumes and sang "I'm a King Bee Baby." I remember that, and uh, somehow. Uh, through John's singing and Danny's uh, harp playing and uh, how big they were anyway in the business. You know, they were so hot uh, Saturday Night Live. They got a record deal. Atlantic Records signed them up. <laughs> and uh, John came to me and said, would you be the musical director? Of course, I was thrilled to do that. We used and a lot of
0: legendary musicians. players in that band, weren't there?
1: There sure were. We we used some some people from the the uh Saturday, you know from the Saturday Night Live house band who are legends now uh Steve Jordan was our drummer he is now a very respected uh, record producer Keith Richards and many many others John Mayer um, and the horns came from our band uh, uh the Tom Bones Malone who is still playing with me
2: mm-hmm.
1: alan rubin Blue Lou Marini, uh Tom Scott came from the West Coast cuz Tom Malone uh, couldn't make the first couple of gigs of the recording in that first album. He was His wife was having a baby. Tom came in as his sub, and we added him, and then we had four horns. And then, you know, they, the guys were just so happening that everybody wanted to play for them. And mm. we got this wonderful Matt Guitar Murphy yeah. uh, from Chicago, one of the original blues cats. And then, of course... Um, steve cropper and and donald duck Dunn from memphis from the booker t and the mgs and they had made all the otis redding sam and dave records oh my goodness i could go on and on and these were the some of the guys that invented the music that we were trying to mm. pay tribute to so uh it was uh, you know we had their expertise going for us too
0: what's it like for you guys to do the hall of fame gig every year
1: well that is uh that's been a, such a privilege this is the first year really that we didn't have anything to do on it because all the bands were self-contained. Mm-hmm. Yes, and Journey, and uh, you know Pearl Jam. Uh, so uh, no place for us to squeeze in. But usually it's just—I uh, mean, there's, there's stories come from every one of them. And for goodness sake, it's the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. You know what more can one say?
0: Uh, talk a little bit about your acting career because whenever you uh, were in any sort of production it always was a, a a comedic piece or well not always but certainly something very prominent to do with the music industry Talk about your acting and, and it, does that does that uh, does that fill a void for you or would you much rather be behind the keyboard
1: uh, no I love I loved uh, doing uh, acting too especially comedy well really only comedy I don't have any any experience doing anything but comedy. Um, how did I get into it? It's hard to say. Uh, you know, I did, uh, before I left Canada, in 19, uh, which I did in 74, moved to New York, but 72, uh, my first professional job in show business was as a conductor of the uh, show Godspell, yep. 70s rock musical, Toronto Company. Uh, legendary kids came out of that company, Martin Short, Eugene Levy, Andrea Martin, Dave Thomas, um, Gilda Radner, uh, Victor Garber. We're all still best of friends, except for poor Gilda, who, who yeah. we miss very much. And I was influenced by hanging out with these people. I just kind of learned what they did, you know, how they got laughs and stuff. And then um, a friend uh, in New York got me an audition for a kind of a thing um, – which was going to be like The monkeys, you know, a television show about a rock group. And I auditioned, I got the part, and the show played in the summer of 77, but flopped. But nonetheless, I had gotten my feet wet, you know. And I had learned how to go in front of a camera and uh, be blocked. You know, you move here, you go there. Um, and um, when I came back, I came back with an impression uh, of one of the uh, uh, producers of that little uh, flop television show. His name was Don Kirshner. Mm. <laughs> he was a well-known uh, music publisher, and he, he had a show at that time, Don Kirshner's Rock Concert. just yeah. televised uh, rock and roll concerts, and he had a, a an interesting style of talking, a very... Um,
0: Who you did very uh, well. <laughs>
1: yes thank you anyway i started doing him and i and i i started doing him on the saturday night live yeah and uh you know uh that then i was on tv acting and uh i tried to do as much of that as i could
0: as you look back at your long storied career paul what stands out what stands out for you I, I mean there must be so much but what stands out as a highlight
1: well i yes of course there is so much and um you know, uh, of course, the David Letterman show changed changed my whole life and really was responsible for so many of the other wonderful experiences uh, that I had. Uh, but um, my idol was always Phil Spector, mm-hmm. the 60s record producer who made the record. You know, You've Lost I Love and Feeling, yep. The Righteous Brothers and The Ronettes and The Crystals and all that stuff, and he had a sound. He was one of the... First, he, he kind of invented the record production. Really,
2: Wall of Sound the
1: producer was like the director of a movie, mm-hmm. and he and I became friends. And uh, and then I got to be in the studio with him. In in about ninety four, uh, he tried a record date with thirty guy. He was famous for having huge bands in the studio. Thirty guys playing live, and I was one of them. And this was, you know, I got to play for the for my idol. I think that's got to stand out. And then the other thing was going overseas with Dave Letterman uh, to Afghanistan the first year that the, hmm. the U.S. was at war uh, with the Taliban. And then we went to Iraq for the two years after that. Christmas Eve, we would be over there uh, meeting and greeting the troops and singing Christmas carols with them and stuff. And that was, you know, I'll never forget it.
0: I remember one time watching a show. I believe Celine Dion was the musical guest. I think she did River Deep Mountain High.
1: That's right. You you're definitely right on top of this.
0: Yes. And uh, it was just absolutely mind blowing. Is there any truth to the rumor that you tried to hook her and Phil Spector up to do that?
1: Well, you know what? They did get hooked up. Um, <clears throat> Spector saw that show, and he said, "This is I got to produce this chick." Yeah. I mean, he saw her doing his tune, you know, "River Deep" that he had co-written and produced for Iquintina. Mm-hmm. And so he did bring her into the studio, and I think. Um, i think that you know his cuts may appear on one on her first album i can't can't exactly remember but he used to give me we had become friends he and i become friends by that time he used to give me credit for turning him on to her but really you know he's he tuned in and saw her on the show himself but he gave me all the credit
0: how would you uh why is it that celine dion can pull that off because there's not many that can. Tina Turner was phenomenal. And, I mean, it was the whole visual experience of it as well. But it was such a big sound.
1: Just Celine Dion is, is just one of those special singers. There aren't too many like her, but she's got a range. And by that, I you know I mean both the notes that she can hit and also just a range of emotions and a range of kind of material that she can do. And uh, she's just that, she's just that good that she could rip up "River deep, out Mountain high. And as you say, not many people could do it. Not many people could follow Tina Turner and do that song. But it just speaks to the talent that she has. That's all.
0: Paul Schaefer has been with us. You can see him and the world's most dangerous band, April 20th, Niagara Falls View Casino. Paul Schaefer has been with us, uh, longtime musical director of Late Show with David Letterman. Paul, it has been an absolute pr- uh, pleasure. Thank you so much for the time. Good luck at Niagara Falls View Casino. Hope to see you there.
1: Oh, thank you. I hope to see you there too. Thanks for having me.
2: The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to three on AM 900 CHML.